Okay, everybody. This is your host for today, Robbie Martin. You are listening to Media Roots Radio. Just want to give a shout out to all of our new Patreon subscribers. You're awesome. And I also want to just let people know, if you're a new listener of this podcast, if you've just subscribed, or if you just started listening, normally this podcast is co-hosted by Abby Martin, my sibling. She's on maternity leave right now, but she will be coming back probably for one episode at the end of August. And after that, she might be guesting for a few episodes after that, but she will be back fairly soon. Don't know exactly when. We miss you, Abby. The listeners miss you. And if you're listening, Abby and Mike, love you and hope you're doing well. So today on Media Roots Radio, I'm extremely excited to finally have on the podcast both of the hosts of the Struggle Session podcast. Leslie Lee III, who has been a frequent guest on Media Roots Radio before. Uh, He just appeared a couple months ago to discuss Black Lives Matter and a whole bunch of different subjects. And also joining us today is the other host of Struggle Session, comedian Jack Allison. This is Jack's first time coming on Media Roots Radio. And if you're not familiar with his work, uh, other than being the co-host of Struggle Session, he also co-hosts a podcast called Jack AM. He does Twitch streams occasionally. And he also used to write for the Jimmy Kimmel Show. What I like a lot about Jack and Leslie is their extremely unfiltered approach. Jack, for example, has called out a lot of the comedy institutions that he has even been associated with, like Upright Citizens Brigade, for not paying people enough money and things like that. So they're calling out important people. They're doing a lot of important criticism and also talking about shit that they love that doesn't get enough attention. I know there's a lot of serious shit going on in the world, but we wanted to start off the podcast with something a little more light and sort of more in line with our overlapping interests with pop culture. (laughs) And Struggle Session is a great podcast to listen to from a leftist critical perspective of pop culture. Um, It's one of the few podcasts out there like that, actually. So I highly recommend checking it out. Enough of my rambling for today. Let's just go right into the discussion that I had with Jack Allison and Leslie Lee III. So how have you guys been lately? Um, I've, you know, personally been fine. I mean, it's like a depressing and scary time and everything like that. Like outside of the walls of my house, whenever I look at the news, I like I'm stressed out and everything. And I don't think things are going to like trend well here. But like as far as, you know, my actual life day to day, like I was kind of working from home at the start of all this, you know, so it hasn't like super impacted you know, I guess my wife like lost her job is the main thing. Well, that's that's unfortunate. Yeah, I'm lucky my wife was able to keep her job, work from home. I'm working from home. And also, this is probably the best time to discover weed, <laughs> uh, which I was able to do simultaneously with this. So, Wonderful. Yeah, I, like the, okay. the Nintendo Wii? No, weed. Oh, oh, so you haven't, you didn't, you weren't a weed smoker before this. Yeah, yeah. Oh, that's very interesting. How is yeah. that working out? I was going good, good. Days don't seem as long. <laughs> <laughs> wow. That's, that's always interesting to hear from someone who's 
Because I, I just been smoking so long that uh, I, I I won't don't know what the fuck I would be doing if I didn't have weed. I've been smoking so much weed in this quarantine, really. Yeah, same. <laughs> and like even when I and when I don't smoke it, I feel like better than when I'm like normal and just like not ever smoking it. You know, right? Like some right. mornings I just wake up and just do whatever, get a lot a lot of stuff done. It's like I would never feel like this if I didn't like have some yesterday right if it like wasn't kind of in your system i definitely that was something like when i first started smoking weed is i was like oh i'm like less wound up in general just from smoking this at all and then i started smoking it all the time and i was never wound up ever forever (laughs) (laughs) that's that's great yeah i i mean i get relaxed from smoking weed but i also definitely like if i smoke too much i get paranoid and yeah i do get i do get weird some of those weird effects people talk about but I'm always sort of like excited to hear from people who get mostly almost all positive effects from it. And it's just like, that's great. I feel like I used to, I I feel like it all really depends on what strain you're doing. I've had times where like I feel weird on weed and stuff like that. But I, I feel like maybe I've just like dosed myself so much that I'm like, I can't remember a time like that in a very long time. You know what I mean? And I'm like. I certainly smoke a lot of weed, and I never have, like, paranoid moments or anything like that. Though I do remember them from, I guess there's no social situations anymore, you know? So yeah. it's like those mostly, that those moments oh, mostly that's happen true, in yeah. social situations, which don't exist any longer. <laughs> yeah, no, that was always my, um, I'm almost like in some ways relieved that I don't have to experience that anxiety, yeah. even when I'm not stoned, of just like... Oh, like I'm at like a party and I don't know very many people here or, yeah. you know, a show or something. It's like, it's kind of, it's, maybe that just speaks to how much of a social <laughs> infant I am or something that I can't, <laughs> it's like that anxiety being lifted is like, oh, that's so, I feel like a weight has been lifted off of me. Yeah, well, you know, there's the, like, you know, there is that, that antisocial part of me who's like, you know, well, maybe everybody should stop going out so much all the time. <laughs> you know, <laughs> like, you know, maybe we all go out a little too much or something. <laughs> it's a weird time man it's it's weird well i'm glad that you guys are are doing reasonably well you know i i've i think i spent the last episode where i where i had leslie on talking mostly about just the pandemic and not i don't think we talked about the pandemic but just like how the state of the country it was a more serious discussion since you guys are on here and this is i guess technically the first the closest we've gotten to a mashup of media roots and struggle session, yeah, in in both yeah. of our podcast existence. Although unfortunately, Abby's not here right now. I wish she could be here. She wished she could be here too. Yeah, um, she wanted to wish you guys the best. Oh, that's wonderful. Oh, very cool. Since this is our first time doing this, and we both have a love of movies and shows, and you know, we like to talk about sort of the political themes in them, and also hate on a lot of stuff that's bad <laughs> and overhyped. <laughs> What do you like? Is there anything entertainment wise, you know, that you guys were looking forward to? Uh, I know you were not looking forward to the Marvel movies that were <laughs> slated to come out. Well, there's like aren't really any. There were only like two or three slated Marvel movies that were even coming out. Like yeah, Black this, Widow, it, though. Yeah, I guess you're the, right. Yeah, there was only a, there was a couple, though. Yeah. I mean, they had it looked like it was pretty much ready to come out like it. You know, the had all the money shots in the trailer. Yeah, or Black whatever. Widow, I think, is done. Yeah, Black Widow is done. Yeah, undone. So, any is there anything that's been delayed, you know, or even canceled completely that you guys are like bummed about? You know, I, I mean, I know I, it maybe seems trivial in the bigger scheme of things, but you know, you, 
Yeah, I, I've, honestly, there isn't anything that I mean. It, it's all going to come out eventually. I, I, I assume, but I, and they haven't really started like canceling a lot of shows from what I've seen yet. They're going to do it. I'm pretty sure they're going to cancel a lot of shows. Use this uh, as an excuse to cancel a lot of shows, but I haven't seen that yet. But I am a little disappointed pointed about the delay in uh, the Fast and Furious uh, film. Because I will like Vin Diesel, he he got hit up twice because Bloodshot was like the last movie, big movie to come out, and nobody went to see it because COVID was happening. People were already self quarantining. And was that on they, demand or did it actually come out in theaters? No, was, it actually came out in theaters. It oh, was shit. It, it came out like it, it legit came out like a couple weeks before like statewide shut down, maybe a week or two before statewide shut down started coming out so that movie kind of was dead in the water and then his uh fast fast nine was supposed to come out and then he just pushed it back an entire year like very early on they just said it's going to be a year <laughs> they said i think they like in march maybe they said like they pushed it back so f- before anything else got pushed back did you speaking of uh of fast and furious and the and the cgi was his name paul walker yeah yes. I, yeah yeah the cgi paul walker replacement we were talking, Leslie, I think on a previous episode about how eventually they are going to try to do CGI actors or, yes. or like a oh, CGI yeah. normal movie, you know, like a like a movie that's not supposed to be an animated movie that's just all CGI. I'm telling so, you that that's like actually what Robert Zemeckis intended Polar Express to be. Like he <laughs> was sure. telling himself that that's what that movie was. Uh, is like and, and also like you know they've tried to do that so many times. I do think that Disney is going to start you know buying likenesses and stuff like that, and we're going to start you know seeing a lot more digital faces. Uh, uh, that's a project that started all the way back with Tron Legacy, um, yep. and like with the de aging of Jeff Bridges, and then yeah. continued through like Rogue One, and then was in its most horrific form, and uh, uh, you know Rise of the Skywalker yes. <laughs> with like that you know the the you know poochie footage the ghoul ghoulish uh poochie edited in footage of princess leia but what's super creepy though is they they're actually like talking about so i i forgot what studio it was but some studio executive was like yeah we might need to start doing you know like an action tentpole movie that's just all cgi you know like that would be like our replacement if this if this continues and then did you guys also see that sports games baseball games are going to have virtual crowd yeah, yeah, they've, they've done a little bit of that already. That's they've, they've, so fucking they've weird. Already, there's already been errors of that where it's like the layers are wrong. <laughs> like <laughs> that is just so crazy. I mean, is it like it's it's being generated in real time, right? It's not like a um like a like a post production effect they're doing. Yeah, it, it's I really don't know. It's like a weird. It's like well, I I think it's the same thing there that like when that puts the line on the field. It's just like a tracking effect that they're just like putting a big plate up or something like that. Like a plate, like a flat plate of like photographs of real people doing the wave, but it's not like a. Like it's a... too creepy. Like it actually, <laughs> it's another like a horrendous like watching it and like then then you'll see like a baseball player like like walk behind like the layers are set up wrong, <laughs> yeah. so it's like he's like oh, dude, disappearing behind like CG crowd Whoa. or whatever. I'm like, this is just another like horrifying reminder of like what the fuck is going on in this country. It's very weird. They only do it on Fox too, apparently. The other channels just leave the empty stands. Yeah, I mean, there's gonna be some brave new worlds uh, stuff with filmmaking 
mm-hmm. if this continues. And I think a lot of the actors we're going to see get set up with really good green screen like setups <laughs> in their homes. Like I think you're going to see that be a big thing. Is like because like Robert Downey Jr. already ostensibly like does that for the Marvel movies. Yeah. You know what I mean? For yeah. like a for like a Brie Larson or something like that, they can just set up like the barn at her house to have a green screen and like have it That's lit amazing. and have it so she can put the balls like on herself and just do it from home. Like truly, I think that they will get to that point. See the thing the wow. thing I was just thinking about this other day. You remember that that kind of trend from maybe maybe 10 years ago of the independent independently made like fan films <laughs> of like Mortal Kombat. Oh my god. And yeah. like Power Rangers. Those by the way were really the precursor of all the remake movies. Like those really yes. inspired the remake movies. All those little Vimeo movies. I'm sorry for interrupting Leslie. Yeah, no, do you guys all... remember the Batman one that was oh, like, yeah. Yeah, was like yeah, the yeah. best looking Batman at the time yeah. was in one of those. But go on, sorry, yeah. Yeah, yeah, but the the that that sort of like being able to make something that looks kind of that looks pretty high budget with a very small crew, a very yeah. few people, you can just do voiceover or CGI in this stuff. I'm shocked that the, there isn't like uh, some type of TV show with a superhero that is done in that cheap and dirty style during COVID that they can get away with. If you want to talk about, you know, ways that union, you know, workers in Hollywood are going to be hurt by all this, I think that during COVID and subsequently post-COVID, if that if that ever exists, um, we're seeing like a real cratering out of like union crews. Um, we saw it on the Ellen show, but all these celebrities that we see shooting stuff at their houses, like on, you know, webcams and stuff like that, we're starting to let people like light themselves and like shoot yeah. themselves and yeah. do all their own makeup. And those used to be like real deal, like union jobs. You know what I mean? Oh, yeah. And like a lot of these people are like furloughed with no come with like never coming back and we're really normalizing the like you know it's okay that celebrities just appear over zoom from home and we don't really care if it's like shot on a red cam you know celebrities filming on their phones is just as good so i think we'll see a lot more of like that kind of stuff in film and tv you know what i mean like uh selfie shows and shit like that that's very creepy, but also probably very likely. There's a thing I saw that they're doing like table reads now. Oh, yeah. With like the real celebrities. And I wonder, like, wh- who's going to be the first one to like make that the show? Like, we were going to do um, CSI Detroit this year, but now CSI Detroit is going to be like a table read with some mm. animatics. I and mean, that, did, did maybe you not guys- CSI, but like, I can. Like an adult cartoon or something might do. Did something Did like you that. see the? Um, did either of you watch the Thirty Rock like reunion upfronts bizarre thing that they aired? Oh, I no. did. Wa- I saw a couple of clips. So, uh, so that's a real. I, that's a. Re- I think that's them like test piloting how to make television in coronavirus because yeah. like that's like a very like it is shot with all the actors in their own homes but they kind of do like effects they kind of like put them over like different backdrops and stuff like that like I, if you want if you want like kind of the like idea of you know what the what tv is gonna start looking like especially network tv that's a good one to watch and it's kind of weird oh, yeah, it's like it's, it's got like a kind of tim and eric effect to it i was gonna you say can it tell. sounds like yeah. tim and eric what you're describing it is it's like, weird. like a bad you know how like skype automatically or zoom yes. can like notch out your background 
without yes. a green screen. I'm imagining that. It's kind of yeah, like it's, that. It's, it's like, like Alec, that. It's it's Alec like Baldwin that. is like oh, supposed God. to be sitting in his like you know Nantucket backyard, Vineyard. and you can really Rock. tell that this is like Alec Baldwin inside a home with a green screen behind him that they put. They did a lot. They do a good. They try to do a good job with it, but it's that you can definitely tell. You know, this makes me angry. Oh well. Because I know that the audio quality is probably like even worse. Like it's probably like a, <laughs> well, I think echoey. they send them all gear and shit is the thing. And also, I think very secretly there are like one or two crew guys that oh, get yeah, sent out to course. all this yeah. shit. Of there course. was something. There was something with like a model, you know, on Instagram or something who was, you know, newly. I can't remember who it was, but they were like newly in quarantine, doing like you know YouTube's of their whole day or something like that. But then you could catch in reflections a camera guy in like. Dressed like the guys that like kidnap ET, like in full <laughs> quarantine gear, like with a camera. It's like so crazy. She's Whoa. like, you know, you know, doing whatever influencer thing, and there's a man in like a hazmat suit holding a camera. Well, I gotta say, at least the fact that he was in a hazmat suit is more than I expect. So that's I, I think that that's cool what we, yeah, like I think yeah, that that's think the weird world of celebrities coming up is like Chrissy Teigen is like, well, there's guys here just in like nuclear hazmat suits filming me for the instagram website for free uh but that's being a celebrity in 2022 that's <laughs> yeah, super weird yeah being a celebrity in 2020 is kind of like um you you if you get big enough or if you're in the spotlight enough uh you get accused of being like a pedophile pretty much this you know th it is well. true and you know it's kind of <laughs> it's kind of funny and you know <laughs> And the problem with it is, is that there are pedophiles. That's the thing that's yeah. like annoying about it to me is that like everybody like accuses Chrissy Teigen of being Pizzagate or Q or whatever, you know, Epstein related. And I'm like, you know, folks, that there's a lot that like are tied to all this shit. And it like, yeah. it's not helpful. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. it's not helpful to make it a meme and a joke <laughs> and everything like that, because Kevin Spacey truly might be one of the like evil men of this earth or something you know what yeah. i mean oh for sure yeah <laughs> i was gonna bring up someone that's that's kind of even sensitive to me because i i'm an admirer of their art but i'll bring it up later because it'll sort of dovetail into our cancel culture sure. discussion <laughs> like let's talk about what i think could be the last tentpole 200 million dollar plus film made that's not a franchise that's not based on a pre-existing property Let's talk about Christopher Nolan's Tenant. Okay, yeah. sure, yeah. And let's yeah. talk about my fears, if they're overblown, that this could be the last actual tentpole movie like that at this budget. And, like, yeah, there's something disgusting about a $200 million movie. I mean, I'll sure. admit. But there's also something really cool about it. I mean, yes. like, you can't do... You you know, Mandalorian, it's great that they're doing like real time unreal engine effects, but it's not gonna look as good <laughs> yeah, as something on. that's fucking fifty million dollars, you know? And also like I, I just I like movies. You know what I mean? Yeah. I like them putting on a big show. Like this is something I talk about, it's so stupid, but um in one of the early Transformers movies, they they cut to it's just an establishing shot of the White House. But it's a shot where, like, they're on a crane. There's a huge crowd of people. It's, like, three seconds long. And I remember watching that, and I'm like, you know what? The Transformers movie sucks, but, like, I am. I just love them spending a shit ton of money on every <laughs> second of this. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, that's what blockbuster movies are about is you're just like, damn, this is, like, big as a motherfucker. Like, TV can't ever do this. Yeah. Tenet, like, 
I I am not a big Christopher Nolan fan. I think a lot of his films, like they're they're good the first time, and then like it, they depreciate on subsequent uh, viewings. <laughs> it it looks cool. It looks fine. But I get the but like like Inception. It looks like another Inception where like yeah, the first time I watch it, if it's in the theater, I might be wild over by the visuals and the action shot. But as soon as I like think about it uh, a little bit too hard, I'm gonna be like, "This fucking sucks," and I never want to <laughs> watch it again. But I, I but it, as far as y- your fear that it is might be the last big temple movie, I think that is a possibility. I don't know if it's like, but but it's certainly a possibility because Hollywood is going to be making major changes. Just today, there were two huge announcements: uh, Disney. Um, is no longer making physical media, 4K physical media. And um, Warner Brothers is basically laying off every, uh, tons and tons of people at DC Comics. You know, these are kind of, you know, maybe in the larger scheme of media, these are small things, but these are just like the first kind of dominoes to fall in this larger apparatus where everything is built up. For people who don't know, DC Comics is owned by Warner Brothers, which is owned by AT&T, which owns tons and tons and tons of stuff. And the comic division is kind of just like, has been just kind of this IP farm that they really haven't taken seriously. Hasn't made a ton of money and they've been restructuring it uh, this past year to kind of put a bold new face on it. And now they're just firing people like uh, because of COVID. So that's just one, you know, sacrifice that people make and getting, not doing the physical media for 4K DVDs. That's a really huge deal, I think, because guess what? You're never going to get a 4K. If they haven't put it out in 4K already, that's Disney now owns, you know, all of Fox movies. You know, there's tons and tons of movies on Fox that haven't been put out in 4K. Like Fight Club. Will you ever see Fight Club in 4K? Who knows? Uh, It's up to Disney's uh, largesse because they're never going to stream into you at 4K ever. No, 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 no. It's up to... Uh, the folks in the scene. It's up to the folks in the scene uh, to get us a 4K up-res transfer, even if they <laughs> have to get the actual like film of it or whatever. My, okay. my belief is now fully in Usenet. I'm done with all the streamers and everything like this. I think it's pretty wild that you know in the same year, we are going to lose like theater exhibition and physical media. Like They're both yeah. done like, just as of this year. It's, it's wild. Weird. I mean... Even, um, you know, Blu-rays, you know, those like, you know, this may seem dumb, but like 3D Blu-rays, they used to make one of like every movie that would come out in 3D and now they're impossible to find and just going to phase out all forms of physical media. Yeah. <laughs> well, and, that's and, and the idea and, is they don't want you to own, they don't want you to own movies. Like, sure. They, they want you to own the license to, to watch a movie so that you have to like keep paying that monthly fee, basically. Like, that's the new model is like. And frankly, like, you know, you're talking about them not making more tentpole movies. And I think, you know, yes, COVID is a big part of that. uh, uh, And yes, you know, the new coming Great Depression is a big part of that. uh, uh, But also a big part of that is this new, uh, um, you know, focus and, and, uh, um, you know, uh, all the importance is put on the library with these companies. Because what they're trying to sell you is streaming services. So they're not... What they're looking at new, you know, films and everything as is like as an addition to this library. Um, but really, they're just holding all the movies they've already made hostage, uh, um, you know, yeah. uh, and that you basically saying that, you know, you have to pay a five dollar a month uh, paywall fee to be able to access any of these movies. 
they're charging thirty dollars for Mulan on top of the eight dollar a month fee. I'm like, I can, I I'm really wondering if anyone is going to do that. I I think a lot of people. I think Jack. I think a lot of adult. I think a lot of parents will. Parents I really yeah. Do. I think yeah. a lot of parents will. will. Yeah, I think I think a lot of suburban parents will absolutely be willing to pay thirty dollars, if not for Mulan, then fucking Monsters Inc. Five I, or whatever. Of I course. absolutely get it, and they're and they're also like they have to set it at that rate because this is like well. This is it forever, folks. But man, I'm like, we're we're in the brave new world. Like Disney is releasing a movie that you can only pay thirty dollars for if you're already paying them eight dollars a month. Like, okay. Well, here here's the thing, Jack. I I don't necessarily think movie theaters are done because I think what they can b- pivot to is that okay, if it's thirty dollars to rent the movie, what if it's a hundred dollars to see it in the theater? What if it's a and I mean that's five times the cost of a ticket, but one if you can get one fifth or more of those people in there, um, paying that much money for say the new Star Wars or you oh, know you, you think it's going to be like more expensive? I kind of think that I think movie theaters are going to be there's going to be like exhibition movie theaters in every city, like how there are there already are exhibition theaters in cities, and they'll play like old run movies, some new run movies, and then like, yeah, kind of whatever they're able to get from like the licenses of all these companies, you know, but uh, I like AMC has basically sold out the movie theater business just to like, you know, get a short term payout like they're they're signed into this deal with Universal where like Universal doesn't have to release movies in theaters, and AMC just receives like a cut of that. It's like it's 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 truly just like protection racket money at this point. I'm like AMC is not doing a service; they just like get a cut because I, I, you know, they were the last one standing. I guess. Do you think Tenant is actually going to come out in theaters in the United States? They're saying they're going to release it in foreign markets, uh, like pretty soon, but. I don't know. It just it just seems strange that Christopher Nolan is the only one who's been able to strong arm the studios into being like, no, this is definitely going to come out in theaters. Like, I refuse to release it. It is interesting. I'm sure that he has it in his contract and he's like, you know, insisting that that actually happen. Um, I really do wonder. Uh, you know, a part of me feels like he's being a little annoying about it. <laughs> like, you know, I'm like. I get I actually agree generally that we should see movies in theaters, but we are in kind of a unique and insane time right now. You know what I mean? I'm like, Christopher, like, you don't have to be this way, like right now. Yeah, um, I, I, I don't know. I can't disagree. I think anybody like holding these studios to what they're supposed to be doing is probably doing a good thing in some. All way. right. All right. Like just keeping them honest. Like you promised me and this <laughs> is my contract. This is what you're going to gonna do is like hey you promised to pay me x amount for this right. money well but and then i'm sure they're trying to renegotiate tons and tons and tons of shit right um right now so i i kind of like that chris Nolan can just tell them no and fuck you <laughs> and uh we're gonna put this out in the theater like i want even if we have to wait well that's yeah. that's what's interesting about some of these people like christopher nolan i mean he's like and you guys can probably tell me if I'm wrong about this, but I can't even think of anybody from a younger generation or younger than him in the major Hollywood system who has that kind of clout anymore. So I think that's also sort of an example of how this industry is fading, like being able to even have that kind of sway and be like, 
I'm going to spend $200 million on this original property. I have final cut. And you're also not going to tell me how it gets released. Like, I'm going to withhold it. I mean, Taika Waititi could never. Taika, yeah. Like, I can't think of anyone. I can't think of anyone. I was trying to think. I mean, well, he's not doing, he's not, he's done with his like, uh, uh, his like licensed properties. So he's not kind of like doing this director for hire thing anymore. Sure. So I guess it's kind of different. You know what I mean? Like all these other guys are kind of like, they're like up for a job. You know what I sure. mean? That's why I like why Taika Waititi could never do it. Cause like, they're all like waiting to hear about the next job. Nolan wait, is wait, just, I kind of disagree. I think specifically with Taika Waititi, he is someone who could just branch out and do what he wants. But he's now directing a fucking Thor movie, and he's uh, going to do uh, apparently going to do allegedly going to do Star Wars. That's the difference with this generation. Like they never they do their they're supposed to do their studio movie and then like peace out and do their own thing or maybe do one studio movie and then you know two you know real movies or whatever just they're supposed to ex you know get out of the system right. as soon as they get enough power to do so you're an idealist but people like taika yeah but i but think taika taika is like and like james gunn like they want to like james gunn wants to stay in like ava duvernay seems like she wants to stay in but i don't even yeah like a lot of these younger directors like they want to be in the system and they're not like freaks like Zack Snyder who have like a deep philosophical yearning to do superhero properties. I think they just kind of want to be long more or less. Or maybe they just also like some of these actors, they get locked into some kind of irresistible contract where it's like, if you direct three films, you know, for us in the Marvel universe or something like that, you get better pay you or get, something. <laughs> you get know. to go to, Epti <laughs> you, you get to go to the island. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> the secret or the secret eyes wide shut uh thing yeah. i don't know nobody talks about yeah. that sort of there was a whole conspiracy culture around uh remember the eyes wide shut scene with the orgy scene like there was a lot of conspiracy theories around that way before pizzagate oh listen i am maybe a believer in some of the stanley kubrick conspiracies not that he faked the moon landing or anything like that but i think maybe they killed Stanley Kubrick. I, I don't know. I, I'm, I maybe believe that Stanley Kubrick was killed. Well, it's a bummer that he never... Um, apparently, the version of Eyes Wide Shut that came out wasn't even his intended final version. So it's like, we'll never really get to yes. see what yeah. happened there. And apparently, it was supposed to have... It was maybe going to have more, you know, Epstein theories kind of stuff in it, you know? You know, this is, this, only will, this is the thing that makes me feel weird about the Stanley Kubrick thing. There was a con artist who... Uh, um, in, in you know, impersonated Stanley Kubrick, yeah. pretended to be him, and you know would always you know go places and pretend to be Stanley Kubrick. And a month before Stanley Kubrick died, he got like an intimidating you know uh, uh, message on his message machine, and then he died of a heart attack. Like he got killed of a heart attack uh, after getting a threatening message That's like crazy. intended for Kubrick. And then Kubrick died of a heart attack. So, you know, I don't know. Maybe I I, I think maybe Kubrick was going to tell some Epstein theories uh, and they didn't want to let him. <laughs> Interesting. No, I, I don't I haven't gone down that rabbit hole. I have gone down. I've seen the moon landing stuff, which is pretty entertaining. Well, there's have you seen that documentary or the what is it called? Uh, Jesus. There's like a fake French documentary that like it's just all you really know, clever editing. Right. 
Yeah, it's really well done. But they have they have Kubrick's wife in yeah. it, and they like have they interview her for real. Mm-hmm. But then at the end, they have a blooper reel where everyone is like laughing and joking about it. Yeah, and Rumsfeld's in it's it. It's very bizarre. Acting like like they cut up a Rumsfeld interview where it sounds like he's saying that Kubrick did the moon landing. It's like really well done editing. It's really there. good. Yeah. Have you guys? I mean, I don't know how closely you've been paying attention to this, and you probably, I'm guessing, you probably feel differently about. Shane Carruth than I do, but he was in my mind sort of one of the more promising younger filmmakers. Let's just say that I that I thought you know got shafted by Hollywood. You know that like he was this sort of really sort of brilliant thinking yeah. guy filmmaker, and that his ideas were just too big for Hollywood. You know I sort of that was a narrative that I had believed. And for people who don't know him, is he's the writer, director, composer, editor lead actor of Primer and Upstream Color. But during the pandemic, um, he did an interview saying that he was retiring from filmmaking because the industry was as corrupt to the core as everybody said it was. He was saying some pretty harsh things about Hollywood. And when I read the interview, I was like, oh, that's fucking crazy. Like, yeah, that's awesome that he's, you know, totally throwing Hollywood under the bus. I was sad to see he was retiring. But then I got kind of excited that he started just like posting his screenplays from unreleased movies on Twitter. He started posting unreleased bits of soundtrack from movies on Twitter from this movie called A Modern Ocean that was supposed to star Keanu Reeves, Tom Holland, and oh, cool. all these other people. So I was like, oh, this is this is wild, you know? It kind of reminded me of um of when Aphex Twin started posting all of his unreleased music on SoundCloud and it just seemed like this really exciting moment and but then it's just took this weird turn where he's just started posting weird stuff on Twitter, saying weird things, and, and then people started to ask him if he was okay, and he would respond just directly and say, no, I am not okay. And he was doing this all from the Upstream Color Twitter account, which, <laughs> oh, was, wow. which was sort of strange. And then out of nowhere, he tweets out a thank you note to a fan for sending him a 12-inch vinyl record soundtrack to one of his movies that I guess he lost the soundtrack to it or something. And next to the vinyl record cover on this photograph that he posts on Twitter is a picture of a restraining order that when you zoom in on the piece of paper, it's a restraining order against him from his co-star and ex-partner girlfriend from Upstream Color. Right. And I think she ended up, I I was, you know, I I was like trying to remember what, what was going on with Shane Carruth recently. She like, you know, came out and said that he was uh, abusive. She did uh, in a recent uh, interview. Well. Yeah, and it was, and yeah. I think that she did it because he posted that, and it became news. Like some people started asking her about it. Right. So he like outed himself, which was very bizarre. It was like it was almost like those Nathan Fielder Instagram posts where he posts something with like you know with like old man jacking off porn in the background, right. but like right done like almost like as a gag but scorched earth his own career like in one t- wow I, and i'm just wondering did you have you guys been following any of this i mean it sounds like you've read some about it jack but so i read i read the article about that you know this abuse thing and i like was kind of like oh shane Caruth. i mean like i didn't see upstream color i really did like primer uh i really uh, uh did he do pet cemetery oh no she, she was, was in pet, pet cemetery. cemetery yeah um i didn't like pet cemetery yeah, I, I don't know. I haven't been following his Twitter. I'm like looking at it now, and it seems like he's maybe having a, a rough time. It's what it kind of seems like. Uh, yeah. And yeah, I don't know. What do you think, yeah, Leslie? Do you, have you seen any of this stuff? 
Yeah, I saw it. It was very, very like strange. The fact that he like out himself. This wasn't anything that anybody. Yeah. And it, like it, it was two weeks before anyone actually looked at the picture and noticed. Yeah. And actually started mentioning. Just completely bizarre. I, I like primarily like upstream uh, color. Um, I wasn't a big follower uh, of his stuff. I knew some people who were, were huge fans, or they were very, you know, disappointed um in this happening because like you know he was as you say he was someone with a lot of promising an interesting voice interesting vision was never really uh, never really got the chance to do it it was like nine years between primer and upstream yeah color um just you know forever i guess he was working on that movie with keanu and it just uh never came out so it's like on one hand you understand like the uh you know this guy probably is you know dealing with a lot of frustration dealing with this industry but he's also like abusing his wife so you know it, it, and he's also you know obviously having some mental illness in public on twitter from his like movies like official account like yeah. it's very a lot of shit uh going on and none of it good yeah and it just yeah i mean i have to Let's just say for the record, you know, we're not just flippantly saying that he's abusing uh, his partner. It's actually like there's emails that were in the, the court documents that were like n he didn't deny writing them that are yeah. blatantly threatening. I am hesitant, you know, to say anyone did anything without seeing evidence. And I feel like his behavior. And, it's, so it's just I guess it's just a really tragic situation because I haven't experienced someone that I really like their arts or what they're, you know, they're creating to have them sort of fall like this in a long time. I mean, maybe when it happened with Louis uh, CK originally, like when Gawker first yeah. broke that stuff, I was really bummed out. I can't, I just can't remember another time of experience of feeling like this. And it just, I guess it just makes me sad ultimately. I am I I to be honest with you I it's like between Louie and every person that I've like ever admired really in in, in <laughs> entertainment at all I frankly am so numb to it at this point I really sure. am like it's like I like expected at this point as you know sort of disappointing as that is I don't know yeah to, for for me I mean this is kind of the premise of our of struggle session is like enjoying these things even when they're made by human beings who are bad and do things yeah. and hurt people you know lots of yeah. hurt people make some of our favorite stuff i mean some some say there's a correlation between uh that um but you know it, it's really just you have to uh is cliche as it is you do have to separate the art from the artist now that doesn't mean you get to abdicate any responsibility for like financially supporting an artist going forward if they're, you know, continuing to be abusive in their industry, something like, like that this is not abdicating responsibility at all. But the fact is, like, if you like that movie, that book, that, you know, that album, you can still uh, like it. Yeah, you can still like it. Like what <laughs> sure. you liked about it wasn't that the person Actually, plenty, who made plenty it was of a artists, good person. Right. Yeah. Plenty of artists throughout time have been like mercurial and like fucked up. You know what I mean? Like that's, you know. Exactly. We're not looking to artists to be politicians. You know what I'm saying? And we kind of shouldn't, uh, uh, you know, as uh, uh, you know, as as even if even though you still should, you know, be conscious about uh, uh, supporting someone's work moving forward, I guess. Yeah. And I guess and maybe in his case, it's like it's not as maybe as bad as the Woody Allen situation, because like Woody Allen does have a lot of themes in his art that are interrelated with his 
you know, allegations, let's just say some of them. Yeah, right, right, right. Like it's hard to sep- it's harder to separate the art from the artist because all the art is about the thing. Well, yeah, I mean, know? with yeah. upstream color, I mean, Leslie, you probably remember that it's like kind of almost about it's like a sci-fi con- explanation for like a very a, almost like abusive codependent relationship. Yes. So like, yes, yes. It's it would be weird actually to watch it now after knowing. I don't know. So it's just I guess it just you know it feels icky. It, well, the thing is, like, as a wrestling fan, like, I got dunked. Wrestling fans got dunked head, head first in this very, before anyone else did, really, because, you know, Chris Benoit, I don't know if people really know, Chris Benoit was gen, uh, generally considered, like, the best in-ring professional wrestler that ever lived at the time right. of that. Like, it, it, it would be, like, Michael Jordan, you know, right. he's the Michael Jordan. He's Tom Cruise. So mo- I don't think most people outside of the wrestling really understood how big it was when he uh, murdered his family and killed himself. Like, that was just a huge thing. So wrestling fans had to confront very early on, like, what do you do with this? This big hole that's now in this, you know, art form that you love. Because you can't really erase Chris Benoit from its history, from its legacy you just can't he's too important so how do you how you deal with it some people you know you know regress and try to come up with excuses for right. what he did um that uh, lots of that some you know more healthily try to understand like um because this is opportunity because it's someone that you care about that you understand sure. that you care about has done something horrible that lets you maybe re-examine your ideas of you know how of of how you view like how you view like horrific things like understanding like that this was a person who was suffering who suffered several you know debilitate uh, who had mental illness and uh debilitating um concussions uh, several several concussions that was a big talk now that's not to excuse what he did but that's kind of to understand the you know the where he was and how that could happen and i think that's kind of a little bit healthy to actually you know instead of just pretending he doesn't exist acknowledge that this was a person who was very important to the industry how did it come to this what is our responsibility uh, in all this what can we do to prevent that from happening and wrestling fans and wrestling companies had to have a very serious discussion about that uh that you know i it seemed like Hollywood was having around me too, where it wasn't just people saying, Oh, Harvey Weinstein is a monster and everyone else is fine. But it seemed like the discussion for, for a while got to more, well, what were the studios doing? What were the agencies doing? What were, you know, all these people who looked the other way doing that, you know, created, helped create this monster. Yeah. I guess in this case, Shane Carruth kind of canceled himself. You know, maybe this stuff would True. have come out. I've seen it done before. I've seen self cancellations done many times before. Yeah, it seemed like he did it kind of deliberately. Cause yeah, it did, yeah. It didn't make sense because, like, some kind of preemptive strike. He thought that maybe he, he, maybe he. I don't know. I mean, I don't want to be an armchair psychologist. You know, maybe he thought it would give him more control to do it. I have no idea, but he did it. Um, he probably won't, you know, be making any of the films that he had planned anytime soon. I can't imagine. But hey, neither will anybody. Sure, that's true. Also, also, so no maybe one that's the right move, right? Movies. Just to scorch earth your whole career right now. We're just like, fuck I it. have no idea. Um, yeah. But so, like, the topic of you know, it's odd to go into this topic now because 
we're not really even talking about the pandemic. It's nuts that there's a global pandemic still going on. Yeah. There's, you know, still a lot of protests going on uh, constantly. The military is still, you know, doing sh weird shit with the protesters. But, you know, here we are having this heated debate seemingly still among a lot of people on the left. You know, it seems to be mostly happening on the left side of the spectrum about cancel culture and how it's become oh, yeah. such a big problem. And it's sort of, I have a lot of thoughts on it. I know you guys have a lot of thoughts on it. Yeah. And I, I think it's, I'm really excited to talk to you guys about it because you're not, you know, of the sort of woke, you know, identity politics, you know, sort of generically right. woke people on the left. You guys have a very unique perspective on this stuff. And I, I don't talk about it as much on my podcasts, but I have been more recently because I guess it's just really gotten to me. You know, I've, I've gotten pretty angry about it at times, and I just, you know, I maybe, I don't know how you guys even really feel about it, to be honest. I mean, I've listened to some of your, your, your struggle session episodes where you talk about it. On one hand, I can get on board with the idea and sympathize with just the idea that there are witch hunts that weaponize things about people, either from their past or things they've tweeted, to try to, you know, get them canceled or make them lose a job. Like, that's, that happens. Um, but sure. I feel like there's this other thing where it's like being fired for saying something and mm -hmm. you know, sort of being canceled. Where do you think the debate should be? Because we have this Harper's letter that sort of anchor uh. a lot of the debate. We have these cancel lists that are going around saying that Majid Nawaz is equatable. You know, his quote unquote cancellation is the same as a guy quoting the N word in an MLK speech. Who got fired from being a college professor? So, right. I, I know I just threw a lot of things at you, but there does seem to be a lot of wrong framing in my mind of how to have this debate because I think some of it does need to be had. You guys just blast off on what you guys think, Leslie. You go, you go first. Yeah, yeah. The main thing that I wish everybody would say before they even talk about cancel culture is defining what that word means. What does it mean to be canceled and really? providing specific examples? Because every single person who talks about it is talking about different stuff. There is no definition that e I've never seen even two definitions of people, I people did, that by overlap. The way, I have found exactly this because I'll talk about cancel culture on Twitter and stuff like that. And people will get in my replies about stuff. I'm like, I never have heard that in my life. I don't know that story ever. You know what I mean? So... My feeling about cancel culture is this. Um, I think that at-will employment should end. That's really <laughs> the, the end of it. You know what I mean? Is I'm like, at the core of all of this is people like like to get other people fired from their jobs. You yeah. know what I mean? And that's a political tool that people wield to like... Everyone is able to wield it. You know what I sure. mean? Like everyone is able to wield it and it's easier than ever because it's truly... It's, you know, nobody wants to acknowledge this but it's so easy to find out who anyone is on the internet and find totally. out everything about them in like 10 minutes or something like that so and it's easy to you know, for corporate i mean it makes corporations job if they want to get rid of people easier too honestly for sure yeah. and and the, and the thing and the thing is like not even all like half the people who talk about cancel culture aren't even talking about people being fired so we're already right. totally like so, so that's the thing so that's the thing that's sort of like confusing me like of course if we're if we're talking about people getting fired from jobs 
for like posting stupid bullshit and or like, you know, being a teenager and posting something and getting fired from their job. I don't think that's good. But if we're talking about people like complaining about things that they don't like, because there's, so, there's so much of that, too, is like anybody who catches any kind of criticism or pushback in any way is like, I'm being canceled now. Can you do you see this? I'm being fucking canceled all of a sudden. Of so I'm, I agree with Leslie that that like. You know, it would it would do us a big it would do a lot of help uh, uh, for us to define what we're talking about when we say canceling. And yeah, the other thing is, and and the, where this conversation, like why this conversation can never move forward, is I've never seen anyone who's arguing about this, even against cancel culture, actually say that no one under any circumstances should be canceled. They only mean that the examples that they dislike shouldn't have happened. So they might, like a Barry Weiss, for example, will complain about some conservative uh, getting professor getting in trouble. Oh, I have a lot to say uh, about for her. saying for saying something about that. But of course, we know that she tried to cancel like her other fellow students who support right. Palestine. Or an even better example of this: this came out right after our Harper letters. All those motherfuckers who signed that Harper's letter. Um, did a single one of them come out and defend fucking Nick Cannon for being canceled <laughs> right. and being fired for his remarks? No, of course not. They, they, they absolutely. They, I, I, I'm shocked that some of them didn't come out and try to cancel them himself. Except uh, aside from the uh, you know uh, embarrassment they 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 would feel, even when they were signing that letter, they left off certain people. They left off Glenn Greenwald. Um, I think it was Barry Weiss who probably it was too uh, did it. Yeah, no, not not even because he was too controversial because he talks a lot of shit about some of the people who sign on that and right fairly so. So he wasn't allowed to be on the list. He effectively was canceled off the yeah. off the anti cancellation list. So all these people actually are pro, like everyone is pro cancellation in some respect. I don't think anybody thinks that someone who I don't know like murders someone on live on Instagram should like not get fired I don't think that like everybody like so in, in it really comes down to the, there's always like a case-by-case -case basis like people will mention like do you think this is fair no I don't well but I that doesn't mean that I don't think that you know the editor at the New York Times who had to resign because of like that that fascist op-ed that they published and he defended without reading. Like I don't think that's cancel culture. I think he's just like badass fucking job and he had been And that's for a also while. like again, that's another version of it where it's like, so are people what what is the like what do we want out of this? You know what I mean? That is like kind of where I because I, I honestly am so exhausted by all the talk about cancel culture. And then you know and I'm happy to talk about it here. But like that's really my true feeling is whenever I see any talk about cancel culture, I'm just like, I, I there's a part of me that can't that's like, I can't believe that this is like what we're all obsessed about. Yeah, yeah. You know what I mean? Like we're all obsessed of about course. like what cuss words we're allowed to say and stuff like that. Like while you know uh, all this is going on, uh, but you know, uh, um, I I I do think you know that we should like I. I People that are very worked up about cancel culture, we should talk about like what needs to change in this country because a lot of people that are upset about cancel culture just get mad at anyone who complains about stuff. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like if, if anyone is, and I would hate to take away people's right 
to bitch online. You know what I mean? Like when in in being totally against cancel culture, that really like sets you up to just like defend powerful people like, you know, blindly. You know what I mean? Like that. And that's I think that's where a lot of people on the left are coming to the cancel culture debate from. Unfortunately, it's so bad that there's only one word to use for this because it seems like you're defending jk rowling um being out there being like she didn't even get she just got yelled at like jk rowling like defending her right to not get yelled at for being uh anti-trans she couldn't let go of a twitter argument and she just kept doubling down doubling down until she just made it some hill to die on that's and her nothing deal. actually, <laughs> and nothing actually happened to her. But but people from the left, they are talking about this. They're thinking about like Palestinian student activists who are or are Abby, of course. Abby is someone I want to have been canceled. Uh, who is someone who has actually been canceled several times <laughs> unfairly. This is the part that really drives me nuts because there are a lot of people that I respect and smart people. Letting the, the certain people hijack this and letting sort of them frame the term. So, I mean, let's just take Barry Weiss, for example. She yeah. went on Bill Maher and said, criticism is great. What cancel culture is about is not criticism. Is it, a, it is about punishment. It is about making a person radioactive. It is about taking away their job. And it's just so fascinating to hear her say that because guess who Barry tried to make radioactive in the opening three paragraphs of her intellectual dark web article that she essentially co-wrote with Eric Weinstein. Right. She associates my sister and the co-host of this podcast with fucking Alex Jones and UFO conspiracies (laughs) in the first three paragraphs. Yeah. What is the, what is the, what does she mean by making someone radioactive? That's exactly what that (laughs) is. Right. That's the thing that really bothers me about this is that I'm like, it's also it's 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 like this it's it's like this um this uh, this expression of like american individualism or something like cancel culture is really all about no one is allowed to cancel me yeah. that's really <laughs> what it's all about that's what everybody means is like and, and like i'm should, allowed to be cancel who i want to whoever i want like it should be me who gets to decide is what everyone's feeling is and you know i don't know like this is why i think we need to like define the terms and stuff like that because it's like you know um like are we talking about people getting fired from jobs? Are we talking about, you know, and, and a lot of this stuff, it's like you actually have to, like, make this decision in your life of if you want to do this kind of stuff. You know what I mean? Like, like I don't know. Like it, it, You're going to get heat. It, it's controvert Being political and, and publishing your political opinions, you're going to get pushback. That's part of the job. And frankly, also, you know, it's only a fireable offense, really, if you're deciding to work in like certain, of course, espe- yeah. like exceptionally corporate environments. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, uh, like Barry Weiss is really saying, like, I should be able to spout whatever the fuck I want, and I should personally not be allowed to get in trouble at New York Times. I should be getting in less trouble in my life, and that's what my pol- politics are. Well, of course, <laughs> yeah. it's not even that with her because actually, it's her coworkers who get in trouble, right. for not liking her. That's well the, for that's being the intimidating, the f- a creating an intimidating work culture. She claims. The funniest thing with Barry Wise is she tried to like tried to conjure a scenario where she would be canceled, and they refused to cancel her. Yeah. So she just did it herself. Yeah. Like Total she stunt. never got fired. She never got fired. She never did anything. She quit the New York Times and then wrote like a "Why I Got Canceled." I'm like, you can't quit and say you got canceled. That's what I mean when I've you know I've said on my last podcast about this that 
this Harper's letter and what Barry Weiss is doing is, is an op, you know, and people maybe thought that sounds like I'm saying it's some kind of like CIA psyop. That's all I'm saying. I'm saying that these people are hijacking this debate right. to push their IDW yeah. bullshit, their intellectual yeah. dark yeah. web point of view to try to act like they're the classical liberals. They're tolerant. This is what the left should actually be. The left has gone too far. It's all done for that purpose. That's why they're hijacking it. The person that I probably respect the most that's gone into this debate is is Matt Taibbi. And he's, yes. you know, he's been writing extensively about this sort of anti-cancel culture debate position that he's sort of firmly taking. I'll get to the part where he's like using the Tom Cotton op-ed, like you guys mentioned, yeah. as a sort of an example of how there was this intimidating cancel culture environment and how Tom Cotton's op-ed shouldn't have been controversial because the majority of the population wanted that. Or, and I'm just thinking, why is he using these as examples? Like, because that's what because that's what is available. You know what I mean? Like everybody wants to make the cancel culture argument, but the only time anybody got like quote unquote canceled at New York Times is when they published an article saying that we should like send the military to kill Americans and didn't <laughs> read it before publishing it. Like I'm like, I don't know what you want me to say. And defending it and defended it without reading it without like reading a, it. after yeah. the fact. That's why he really this got like so in trouble. And, and and it was just like and it was it wasn't like this was the first thing people were mad about. They actually got rid of their public ombudsman um because they were getting so much shit and like every other week they they the public ombudsman would have to like issue a statement about one of the op-eds. Like some like they hired Barry fucking Weiss. Like yeah. someone was gonna get like get fired <laughs> for the direction of the New York Times <laughs> well, op-ed uh, page in the age of Trump. Like God Hey, damn. listen, also this is another one of these things where it's like so the New York Times published a fucking op-ed from Tom Cotton saying, like, let's have Trump invade America. <laughs> and, like, are we supposed to just, like, no one's supposed to say anything about that because that might be cancel culture? Yeah. You know so, what I mean? Are we, so like, you're, you're supposed to not yeah. go post about that because that might end up causing some guy to get in trouble that, or something like that? You know? like, I don't know. Nobody who saw that and got mad was, like, saying... I want you to fire this guy. They didn't know. They were just. I'm sure some people were, but also no, I don't few. think that that's why they fired him. I don't think that's why they fired him is because of the people tweeting at him. I think it's because he like fucked up mega bad and it was super embarrassing yeah, at the time. But, but I, I just want to be cl make clear. It's not cancel culture because people were like not tweeting out his name saying that yes. I, he needs to be fired. They were just mad at the op-ed. So I don't know how if like cancel culture uh, supposedly is about when you're attacking specific people. A specific person was not attacked in that other yeah. than Tom Cotton. People were just mad at like the New York Times and then they yeah. chose to fire someone over it. And that's and not cancel culture. Also about, it, it, again, like when Barry and the New York Times people complain about, you know, they're just complaining about hearing from the like unwashed masses. <laughs> you know what I mean? It's like they're trying to cancel us just for publishing an op-ed. I'm like, you just... Why don't you just fucking go off the comment section then for a little bit? If Turn you don't want to see everybody off. be mad, like go enjoy the fucking loft in New York. Read you know what I mean? And turn off your phone. <laughs> if, if Barry, if I'll give Barry Weiss one inward pass to read the Tyler, the creator tweet to herself and then log the fuck off forever. Well, I think almost in a weird way, because she's so involved in this and to see David Frum and some of these other people signing that letter, it does seem like an attempt to sort of rebrand neoconservatism as this rejection of ultra wokeism like an anti-woke classical liberalism yeah you know
like uh, I, I want to talk about the person who originated the letter a little bit. Uh, who was Thomas, that? Uh, Thomas Chatterton Williams. Oh, that that's the guy that originated the letter. Yeah, Interesting, yeah. Because he, he, he was on Mahler with Barry Weiss during this last appearance. Which, by the way, this is all a work. Like he to did a post himself, right yes. before right before the letter where he told this dumb fake ass story about how he kicked someone out of his house. That came in out France before the letter. I think no, that was no, like right. It, no, it came out before Barry Weiss's letter. He Jesus helped Barry Christ. Weiss with the rollout by saying he had gotcha. to kick somebody out of his apartment. Ah, uh, you're right. I had Barry the, I had, uh, I had the and, timeline and, wrong. And again, he used him kicking somebody out as an example of Kelso <laughs> culture, not against the guy who <laughs> got kicked out, but against Barry Weiss, that like is the guy so who's yeah. now on the crazy. <laughs> These people are like. That's why I want to talk about Thomas Chandler Williams because he is legitimately legitimately like an unwell person like and he's being presented that oh he's written for the new york times magazine the harpers and all this stuff and he, i think he gets a fucking uh degree from harvard or yale or whatever but when you actually dive into the shit he writes himself besides this fucking letter it's like he wrote a book a memoir where he talks about how he beat up his girlfriend and he blamed it on hip hop music because he was just, <laughs> he literally saying like black culture is Holy the reason shit. I beat the shit of my girlfriend Jesus. in public. Um, he taught, he has a book about how he calls himself ex black. He doesn't tell his, he doesn't raise his children as, as black. Um, he doesn't want to be black. He, he, he hates blackness and black culture. He wants nothing to do with it. He blames, but he blames us for all of his problems. Like he is just like, he's just some like fucking weirdo who I, I really <laughs> is who fucking Noam Chomsky of all people, like, like help promote and get on TV. Like he, like if anyone spent five fucking minutes looking into his stuff and his background, what he says, or even talking to him, he's on Twitter. He'll probably block you if you say anything even halfway negative he's not good at like debate or arguing which i uh, so i don't know where he's like he complains so much about cancel culture but he has got nothing but positive coverage for his bizarre dog shit books like the new york times <laughs> gave a positive review to the book where he like called where he like talks about like how he's not black anymore like he's a fucking reverse dozel and the new york times so like bizarre. the new liberal new york Wild. times gave like he's a very much like this, uh, like a Fox, like in a different world. Uh, if he was just like a little bit cornier, he would definitely be like the pet black guy on Fox News. Like right. that—that's who he is. That's where he's coming from. But he has a uh, a little bit nicer website, and he got the his book covers uh, to look a little bit cool. And and now people like respect him or are promoting him when he's just. Like this bizarre weirdo who has nothing really to say other than he hates the fact that he's black and he's happy that his kids came out blonde and uh, and he doesn't have to tell them that they're black. That's, that's it. Totally that's Jesus. I had no idea that he had a background like that. Well, that's that's interesting. Um, <laughs> Again, most of these people complain about this fucking cancel culture like they're all like writers with phds and right i mean but the thing is like you know you have to like even look at abby you know what i mean it's like what abby did was decided not to work for corporate like shitty companies you know what i mean and so it's like you know people talk about like certain people being uncancelable you know uh, uh and it's because they build out their own fan base and you know like i said 
this is about these people wanting to have it both ways. They're like, I want to be able to say whatever I want, but also be able to work in the world of corporate America yeah, and totally. never, ever, ever get any trouble for it. I'm like, well, sometimes you actually have to fucking make sacrifices in your life. You know what I mean? Well, like, if you really feel strongly about certain things that will that you can't talk about at the New York Times, then perhaps it's time... Stop working there. You know what oh, I mean? Don't yeah, make it just about fucking us. Go back to the National Review. God for fucking did. <laughs> yeah, really. Like, what a big goddamn deal. You didn't. You didn't like. You felt uncomfortable when you got the job at the New York Times. It made you like feel weird or something. Is that what you're saying? Well, I mean, on a personal level, it definitely seems very self-centered and 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 you know self-motivated, depending on whatever people want there. Cancel culture is about people. You know, trying to give me a hard time. Yeah. That's what it's about. But, That's what it means for everyone. What, Cancel culture is when I receive replies. Yes. But I think that I'm, I'm leaning in the direction that it does seem like there is a really strong effort being made by this sort of intellectual dark web group to sort of weaponize this or hijack or weaponize this debate mm-hmm. to their advantage. Yeah. And that's. Yeah, they want to scare peop- regular people to, into thinking. That oh they came for Barry Weiss and you're fucking next yeah at being yeah. canceled because you missed you uh, said someone's pronoun wrong or whatever exactly, that, like, they yeah. they want to scare people that like this is coming uh, for them instead of and 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 scan it and 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 subsequently like instill in them kind of like fear of other people it's like you know yeah it, you're afraid of saying the wrong pronoun like think you're gonna get fired if you say the wrong pronoun subsequently you're making people like afraid of trans people yeah you it's know what i mean like they're yeah. afraid at that point to work with it's a, trans a gaslight person. it's a form of gaslighting almost you know I, the real truth of the matter is like you know if people are getting fired for their like you know posts when they were 15 years old at their jobs or whatever. I don't think that should be happening, but I also just haven't heard that many cases of it happening. Like mostly when people talk about cancel culture, we're talking about people in media who don't want to like, like catch a hard time. Like that's really (laughs) what we're, what the, and, and, and if there is, and, and if there is some sort of big gigantic thing going where normal people are being fired all the time, then we got to stop that. But I, I don't know about it. You know what I mean? Like whatever. So that's the, so I think that that's the point that, we brought up at the very beginning that's super important there needs to be a very clear distinction and definition of what you're talking about when you say cancel culture because in the world of employment you know corporate world it does you know the distinction is super important because corporations disingenuously you you know use the idea of inappropriate speech or political speech you know because they it's beneficial for them to just be able to fire people at will for whatever fucking reason they want so oh yeah absolutely Which is why I come back to, once again, let's talk about what the goal of talking about cancel exactly. culture is. Yeah. And in which case, if anyone's wound up about cancel culture, talk about at-will employment. Yes. Like, I, and I just do not see any, any of the, like, the Louis fans or you know Legion of Skanks guys or whatever. No. I'm like, then let's talk about like at-will employment because that's really at the core here. Yeah. Is you're, if you're worried about people being fired at their jobs, let's attack that. Not that people complain and that gets people fired at their jobs. Well, you know James, what I mean? It's not the complaining that's the problem. James Danmore, whatever his name was, I would have taken that guy seriously if that was his if that was his uh, framing. If he was like, we just need at-will employment. Let's fucking, you know. Instead of like, <laughs> like making it all that about... Is, that is an absolute... <laughs> It's a real problem. Yeah. At-will employment is a real problem that affects, that it has tendrils that affect so many different aspects of our life. Like, a cancel culture is just one aspect of, like, the many-faced monster of at- at-will employment. 
I guess just to finish off this this discussion about cancel culture, because I I agree it's it has a, it is a topic that's been beaten into the ground. But I I really agree. I mean, I mostly agree with your takes on. It. I think that you guys are, you know, really savvy on this issue. Um, but like you guys have seen sort of the other side of this, because just to give you know credit to that the idea that this is sort you know sometimes needs to be discussed. The terms do need to mm-hmm. be clearly defined because then it just can become a weaponized hijack debate by these IDW people but like I've seen you know lots of examples of even like Chapo Trap House uh, people trying to cancel all of them because of associations they have with you know people with Red Scare or you know things that they've said and and it just and it just seems like at a certain point is it do you if you get big enough in the left scene is this just is this gonna happen to anybody but but I would also say this that I'm like you look at that and I'm like that is once again I am happy with everyone just being able to say whatever they feel. You know what I mean? It's like they're still doing a big podcast and people are out there complaining. Some people like them. Some people don't like them. Some complaints are valid. Some complaints are not valid. They're still out there doing their thing. It's like it's not really that big a deal. It's like if they were working at some corporate, you know, company, they might be getting in all this kind of trouble or something like that. But like. They're not trying to make that, you know, uh, uh, that balance right now. I, you know, there's been times I've caught shit, too, and I'm like, well, whatever. That's life. (laughs) Jack, I think it's worth talking about from a holistic perspective, because if we're thinking of all of ourselves as, you know, the left and in this together. So what do I think a better way to frame it is so what do we do if, you know, there is someone in our circle who is you have a problem with? Right. Like sure. if you have a problem with Chapel Charles, what do we do? Do we because like this type of cancellation is not really a cancellation. It's just like trying to tell like your friends not to like him, really. Like like you, you're not really trying like when you're talking, when you're complaining about something that happened on a podcast, you're not really trying to get anybody fire. You're not really trying to change anything. You're not really trying to change <laughs> their mind. You're just like these guys suck. You're trying to say to your friends, these guys, suck, <laughs> these right? guys suck. Right. And I would say like and a lot of that does happen on the left and in a, in in way in in times when it might not be unwarranted warranted or over the top or maybe just a little bit like too much where people are being like too much i would like stop and think like you know is this really like the most important thing that this person uh said this wrong thing on this podcast what they really mean are they just being a dumbass like there's so many ways to approach this if you're approaching this from the fact that we're all in this together if you're just like well fuck them then then, then just fuck them right fuck fuck uh fuck that podcast but if it's someone like within a circle that like, like a one big family that you're trying to address of course that sort of cancel culture where you're just trying to dismiss someone within your circle who you know has fucked up like you want to give them a chance to do better so i think that a lot of people who from the left are like approaching it from uh when they complain about cancel culture are complaining about like the lack of ability for someone to come back from it but i think those opportunities like often are there just most people don't take it advantage but i think that is a fair critique of the way we talk about these things where we talk about someone who makes a ugly comment or a bad joke the same way we talk about a murderer or a serial killer or harvey weinstein we kind of group right all of these things together that's another way that the one word cancel culture like messes things up so yeah. i would just like people like it's so important to take everything on a case by case basis. 
um, be, you know, take pe- try to, you know, give people a chance to make amends when they fuck up. And uh, I, I think then I, if we are, you know, moving towards that, I don't also don't think we really have to worry about like cancel culture that much. Like, I just don't think cancel culture itself is like the thing to be worried about being unfair to people, you know, not giving people a chance to atone yeah. and make up. That that might be more the issue than the fa- the fact that people just complain initially or criticize. Sure. Initially. Listen, there are people, you know, that uh, uh, they're I, the only thing I would say, like within the left, is that like sometimes I wish people would like be more charitable, and it's that thing like Leslie is saying, where it's like I see, and I'm like, and I do this, like, because when we do it, when we're talking about, like, our enemies or, you know, the stuff we hate, it's like, you try to phrase it in the most intense sounding way possible, you know what I mean? Yeah, and I'm that, like, that, that is we could be more charitable with each other. We could be more charitable with each other. You don't have to make it, like, the most extreme version. Like, there's a lot of stuff, like, listen, I don't really know, I don't know anything about the Red Scare podcast or whatever, but people will talk about them like it's, like, an alt-right podcast, and I'm like, is that, like, I don't know. Is that, like, true? Like, uh, but I, I don't know. I'm like, the 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 scale, the, the, the sort no, of extremes to which we talk about things, uh, uh, I think, can be, uh, um, you know, we can be more charitable with each yeah, other. The, but the, the, problem, the, well, the, say- uh, the problem is we talk about extremes and the mundane at the same time, on the at the same place, on the same website, <laughs> right, in yeah, the same right. tone. And also it's fun to, like, to talk, to talk as the most intense yes. way. That's what works on the website. <laughs> Like, that's the style guide for Twitter. You know what I mean? Like, that's the only thing is sometimes I'm like, man, we are being very uncharitable to each other in a way that you maybe we should only reserve for enemies. Yeah. But that's all fine. You know, uh, uh, but the other thing I would say is this is that, like, the left doesn't have to be hegemonic. You know what I mean? Like, some of this is just that, like, the left doesn't have to be that everybody likes Chapo. Some people are going to sure. like it. Some people yeah, are yeah. not going to like yeah, it. Yeah, what and I it's said like, doesn't count. If you are just like fuck Chapo and don't want, and don't consider them part of your squad, then that hey, that's on you. But, that's but if you all good, yeah. You know, I think that it's not. It's like there's a whole people are going to have a whole bunch of different opinions, and so it's like. I don't know that Chapo's getting canceled so much as there are just people out there bitching about them, which is going to be the case with anything that gets hugely popular. I think I think what I was referring to is like the sort of weaponization sometimes that I see, you know, because we're in the political realm. It is the world of dirty yeah. tricks, people trying to sabotage people, you know, like, for example, Chapo very aggressively, you know, staunchly said they're not voting for Biden, very pro-Bernie. Things that have probably, on some level, let's say, have angered the Democratic Party, and you know, I I, sometimes when I see some of the stuff people are saying about him, I'm wondering, are these like DNC bots or or, (laughs) some are puppets? You know, because it's it gets that level where it's being weaponized to a point where, you know, and I'm not saying that's cancel culture, but some people do try to weaponize this stuff to associate people with bad people you know that is that is unfair and that's i guess that's the only thing that actually concerns me out of it is when i see people go to those extremes where they're like you know basically like lying about people to to try to associate them with the alt-right or oh any, yeah anything yeah. like that yeah I, like, I, like nancy pelosi's like daughter did that the other yeah. day right like she called like the far left like the sexist, all like the sexist, like just like the fundamentalists too. That's basically what you said. They're sexist on both sides. Far left sexist. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Jesus Christ. Um, yeah. Listen, I, 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 you know, I don't know. Uh, uh, I, I, I. It's just an ugly. Everything's fucking ugly. Like we're in the world. <laughs> like we're kind of in the world of politics. Uh, also, we're like in the world of like 
podcasting, which is a wild west of its own, and everyone's just out here scrapping and everything like that. I, I don't know. I think it's a it's a tough world out there these days. You know what I mean? I'm like, you know, uh, no, no, I, I I think you just have to like. I don't know. Like I I def I definitely think that there's a tendency on the left to try to like cannibalize a little bit, but then also it's like those guys are not elected officials. Like I actually am a little bit more concerned about like the thing like with that happened with Alex Morse than like anything to do with like the Chapo guys. Like that's a kind of a weird. I don't know what to make of all that, and that's it's a developing story, Jack. I think we should hold. That's I, I see where you're okay. coming from, but that's a developing story. That's that's, a, that's okay. still in. Uh, it's a developing in, in, story. Okay, yeah, I, ha- I haven't uh, heard anything about that. I maybe don't. Maybe maybe there's there probably there might be more that comes out, but ostensibly he was you know he's a mayor and he spoke at colleges. He's a 30 year old gay man, and he had like consensual you know hookups, I guess, with some students, and there was, there was a letter at the college. You know, saying that some students were feeling uncomfortable about that. And so I guess the big debate is whether or not that it's like appropriate. And, you know, but yes, there might be more that comes out. And so I should probably be careful. Oh, yeah. No, I've been seeing I've been seeing a lot of tweets about that. I think we've yeah, we pretty much said our piece on the whole cancel culture thing. Um, Cancel culture is done. Yeah. (laughs) You know, you know, I think it's so funny, truly. That we're talking about cancel culture, I'm like, many more people are going to be canceled just by the Great Depression happening and like the new, like a wave of COVID unemployment sweeping across this country. Yeah. Like, it's funny that all the media people are concerned about, like, you know, I could get fired because someone saw, like I said, the N word a long time ago. I'm like, you know, literally everyone's unemployed for no reason other than like we can't provide anyone with any help. Yeah. I mean, there's literally, I mean, and that's the thing too. It's like, I guess I'll just end it with the idea that there are actual laws on the books in several states right now. As anyone following Media Roots knows, Abby actually filed a lawsuit in the state of Georgia because in the state of Georgia, it is actually illegal to receive state money if you are anti-Israel. Like, if your political wow. views are anti-Israel. That's cancel culture, and, uh, by yeah. the way. That is fucking insane. And that yeah. goes to show that if you're not talking about the those actual laws that violate your free speech that's then then you're just being disingenuous barry weiss is never going to do an op-ed on that in fact yeah except in in support of it except you know what's odd the only right winger who claims that that they did and they did bring that up as a free speech issue is michelle malkin she actually responded to abby and was like i talked about it (laughs) she is she is a strange one she sometimes does break she is a very strange one yeah so, election talk. Have you guys, uh, have you guys been talking about the election that's uh, coming up they, in three fucking I mean, months? Which one? <laughs> the president, the presidential election, man. This is three uh, months away. I guess we should look. We should look right now to see if he's announced the the VP just yet. Yeah. Uh, well, it's either between the Masonic secret yet. Masonic police order um, associate Kamala Harris <laughs> or. Susan Rice, who was basically like uh, set up to be like the Obamagate magnet, I guess. I, I don't get it, but... Susan Rice, that is the most bizarre choice because, you know, uh, and I guess this is the type of criticism that people will, that like neoliberals would flag as sexist, but she's not charismatic on TV. I don't care. I'm just going to say it. She's not charismatic on TV. Fair. She's never been. She's never been elected to public office, yeah. and a big part of this is like running for fucking office. You know what I mean? <laughs> Oh yeah, no. She's 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 got a flat and sort of weird vibe to her. I remember her at the U- UN 
Um, I, I totally agree with you. I think she could lose a debate to Pence. I oh, really, sure. I, I think she could like lose the sort of the the charisma debate to Pence, and that's bad. <laughs> yeah, I, I I really don't just don't see. It. I guess they like her resume for some reason, but like she's just not that. You know, she's not a poli- She's never been elected to office. You know, yeah. I'm sure she's great. Uh, you know, at the you know Blood God Factory. Uh, at the yes, uh, I'm sure she's an excellent supervisor there. But that doesn't make you a good like uh, candidate. She really is the like you know like just I. It's like the she's the well liked by Obama kind of candidate. I think that she's like liked by the sort of donor class too. She has the kind of like erudite you know uh, uh, liberal thing to her, but. Yeah, I don't know. I think she's uh, on. She's still on like the Team Obama faction, and I think Biden yeah, well, sort of also, exists in she, both worlds in a weird way because he's just such a got, weird well, floater. Which time. might make him, which might make him, you know, not pick her in the first sure. place. There yeah. could be some some kind of weirdness there. I think it's the strangest thing that Susan Rice went and vacationed at Netflix for this whole time. She's been on the board at Netflix yeah, totally. since she left DC and just just divested her stock now that she's like uh being looked at for VP. Well, let's let's go to this idea that you know, psychologically, I was one of the people who totally thought Hillary had the election in the bag in 2016. So did Abby. Um we were just expecting Hillary to win and you know, everybody was completely, I think a lot of people, most people were pretty shocked that Trump won. Yeah. And I felt like, oh, wow, everybody made a mistake by trusting the polling because most of the polling seemed to show right. Hillary winning. And I feel like everybody's getting poised to get sucked into that same mindset again. It's and they're looking at all the polling. Dude, it's so weird. I saw a headline today that was like super excited acting. It said Biden is leading in. Three swing states, five to eight points ahead in several key swing states in the states that Trump won last time. And I was just like, my God, this is the same thing happening all over again. Yes. I mean, you know, it also, you know, what's funny this time is that, like, it's interspersed with headlines about how they're, like, just actively rigging the election. So, like, we're getting these, like you know excited headlines about like biden's like barely ahead and then they're like we're going to be shutting down the post office you know before ahead of uh ahead of the election and you know uh, i don't know like i i just think you know uh, uh when you see what these polling margins look like and then all you hear about is like all the dirty tricks they're going to pull for this election i'm like you know you wish biden was doing better well <laughs> if if you care about this sort of thing, like I'm I mean, a, I'm this, I, I, I am very black pilled on this on this particular election. I really am, and people will make the argument about like DACA, and I can see that point or whatever. But Biden's there's some really really huge downsides to like the Biden. Well, presidency. like I keep saying that I just think Trump is going to win, and people are like, "Oh wow, that's pathetic." You're just trying to be pessimistic. I'm like. Why is it pessimistic? Like, I don't actually want Joe Biden to be president. Like, I'm not being pessimistic if I say I think Biden's <laughs> going to lose. Like, it's not my deepest heart's desire that uh, Joe Biden win. And like I, we've said on the show, like, Bernie was out. Like, I'm kind of checked out of it. Like, this is your thing now. Like, MSNBC, yeah. CNN, you want you didn't want. Yeah, bro- you all wanted you this. You wanted this? Like, you take care of it. Like, I don't have to be checked in. Uh, I mean, this is the crazy the- thing. If you really think about it and look at every single candidate, potential candidate in that primary, 
I feel like every single one of those people would have been a better candidate than Joe Biden. Yeah. <laughs> For every single reason. Like, not even just necessarily electability, because that's the only thing maybe Biden had in his favor, is he's, like, grandfathered in, you know? But Yeah. But, like, everything about Biden is so bad on so many levels that it, it blows my mind that anyone could be excited about this. I mean, it has to just be mostly an anti-Trump vote for most people. I think that's what it is, and I, and I don't think anyone's excited. I don't even see anyone, like, pretending to actually be excited There's, about Joe Biden. Th- is the settle for Biden thing real? Because I keep seeing it as, keep seeing it's a real group. Group, have you seen this, Jack? Like, I haven't got was yes. like a pack settle for Biden to pack. Y- yeah, there's like <laughs> an Instagram account, and it's like a whole thing about settle for Biden. So, Leslie, here's what I think I think that it is real, but that it's like intended to be funny, ironic. Okay. Like, I think that it was like set up by like kind of too clever, like social media guys that are working for Biden but are like trying being a little ironic and clever about it. So cuz I looked at it and I was like, "Oh, this is fake." And then I looked through it and I was like, "Oh, this is like too much real campaign messaging and stuff oh, yeah. to be like fake fake." Oh. So I think it is just like a fuck Jerry or something like that, like actually working for for oh, Biden. Oh yeah, I see this post that says the GOP in in the Biden fight, the GOP loves it when you vote green. Yeah, this is definitely some dim bullshit. Yeah, it's like there. It's some. It's like it's 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 intended. And I, and I'm, and part of me, I'm like, I'm disappointed by everybody posting it so much because I'm like, that's exactly. It's working well. <laughs> this is Team Bloomberg. I saw that uh, okay. on Facebook. I, I saw, saw some, it. I didn't know I just, what it was before. Oh, I I just saw something so dark. Someone has like a big Bernie bumper sticker on their car, and then underneath they put a cello for Biden sticker. That is, oh, the, is the saddest thing I've ever Holy seen in my shit. entire life. Well, you know, listen, it's like I, I live in California, so it's it's going to be very easy for me to not vote for Biden this year. Uh, I do think it would maybe be harder if I lived in a swing state or something like that, but it's very easy sure. for me to not Same. vote for, for Joe Biden. <laughs> well, what, let's talk about what is his actual platform, because like... I all I see about him is just like him fucking up on TV, saying weird shit, accusing this last reporter that interviewed him. He asked Biden if he took a cognitive test, and Biden's like, "Hey, man, like, you, am I going to ask you to take a cocaine test? Yeah, before you get on it's here, cr- are you a junkie, wild. man? Yeah. Come on, man. Hey, that's what John. Hey, that's John Lewis's tactic. <laughs> this is the, <laughs> this is fucking all Biden is known for right now." And I honestly don't even understand what his platform is. And then somehow, you know, Trump is making more of a splash by saying, just randomly announcing that insurance companies are going to be accepting people with pre-existing conditions on some kind of executive order. I don't know if it's actually really going to happen, but like, I haven't even heard anything like this from Biden's campaign during a pandemic. I mean... What the fuck is going they're not, on? They're they're trying they're trying not to campaign. Is That's what I think. are they just uh, running out the, the clock? Campaign? Is that what it is? Are they just I hoping Trump loses uh, against okay. himself? Couple couple things. I think one. <laughs> yes, I think they are hoping that they're just expecting that Trump might lose against himself, and nobody wants to make any decisions or do anything or whatever. And then I also think that like you know. Not not everyone cares like that much about winning. You know what I mean? Like I think everyone's just kind of like, well, this is the campaign and it's Biden and well, you're we're doing it, you know? Like I don't know, you can kind of only run the campaign you have with the candidate you have and the SKDK, you know, uh, uh messaging points are only going to get you so far. Like 
I really wonder what my question is, is what the fuck is this White House going to be like? Who the hell is going to be running things? Uh, uh, you know, because it's definitely not going to be Joe Biden. Oh, yeah. No, it's going to be. Uh, that's a really good question. I mean, it'll probably be. Geez, I would think it might be a resurrection of the Team Obama people. <laughs> I am. I'm like, so what lobbyists are going to be running? Like, I mean, I know it's the SK. It's the SKD Knickerbocker people who like, you know, lobby against sure. uh, uh, like, you know, uh, uh like fair work and stuff like that in New York, uh, like they basically just Anita Dunn and them will probably just be running America. And I guess that's better than Trump's guys doing it. So good. I don't know, whatever. <laughs> I, I really, it's really hard for me to like, you know, this election is so s silly that it's hard for me to like, you know, it's, it's so, such a stupid farce. It's not even a real like, election because how yeah. are they possibly going to have, proper amount of polling places open um for people to cast votes how are they going to even if they had all these voting locations available right people aren't going to go out people are going to be too scared well, to so like that's people, it's just, pe trump people are going to go out you yeah, know sure. a lot of people don't believe in the pandemic that's another thing i think is like people are like you know when you talk about the polls i'm like are these polls like, would you be willing to wait in line six hours exactly, like yeah. with coughing Trump people to vote for Biden? Yeah. Like, or are they or are they just like you answered your phone and you're like, I like Biden better than Trump? You know no, what I it's, mean? It's absolutely insane. I mean, and and even the the idea of that it's taking this long to pick a VP. I mean, when are the conventions going to happen? Are there even going to be debates? I mean, can you guys see any of the normal procedures taking place in between now and the election. It seems like it's going to be, I, I mean, I can't even see a debate happening. It's unbelievable that it's August. It's only three it's months away crazy. till this election. Uh, I can't kind of see a debate happening either because I think that both sides will not want it to happen. Um, and, <laughs> uh, but maybe, but I don't know, but also like... I, I want it to happen so badly. Like, that's like, it's the debate America deserves, really. I, it is like, we deserve to look at that debate and be like, well, here we are, everybody. Everyone having a good time? Oh, my God. <laughs> um, I don't know if we will, though, because we're at, it's August already. Leslie, what do you think? The convention was already supposed to have happened. For so, sure. Like, yeah. there's the no conventions like, happened in like July, I feel yeah. like the last time. Yeah, or they late pushed June it to late August. They pushed it to late August this time. Um, but still it does feel weird that we have not gotten, you know, the VP. Like it like there's no there's nothing about the situation COVID that like warrants him like delaying announcing who the VP is going to be, and especially considering how he's been largely absent aside from the fact that they're deliberately keeping him absent so he doesn't embarrass himself like he did with the line about how um black people aren't diverse as Jesus latino Christ. people or d if you aren't black uh if you aren't voting for me you ain't black like all that sort of stuff like every time he opens his mouth he he's he makes an embarrassment as, as jack said they're just hoping that trump beats himself which i just don't think is a very safe bet because people who like trump want to vote for trump and are stupid and want to and will wait in line like on purpose they like going around and gathering in big crowds to prove and I, prove that they aren't scared yeah. while we are all like scared to like and they're look actually at they actually are down to die from it too oh, yeah they like that this is a problem <laughs> like we were calculating 
on this sort of stupidity, like just like uh, not paying off for them. But this is exactly the sort of stupidity that you might need to win an election. You need people. We're going to be in an election where they're going to like throw out as many mail-in ballots as they possibly can. And what's going to be left are like three plague voting centers where you have to go settle for Biden, you know, by waiting in line with Trump people. You know what I mean? Like uh, during COVID. I just don't know. The other thing I think a lot of people are forgetting um, is is the like uh, the October surprise. And, you know, there's a lot going on with Biden and we have Barr, you know, in, in charge of the, the Justice Department. And like there could be some real deal shit that could come down, you know, with Obamagate stuff or fucking Hunter Biden stuff. Uh, you know, they could be prepping some something big for October. Yeah, I think I think there is going to be some I mean, there's got to be some crazy, dirty trick kind of style thing yeah. or something. I mean, look at what Pizzagate did. Look at, I mean, look what QAnon's still doing. It's, there, there's going to be some weird shit that's going to happen. Yes. And I guess that maybe, you know, just as a spectator in this election, I guess that'll be fun. Um, I just hope these, it's not some kind of street, you know, violence or anything like that, you know, like these protests. Yeah. It, you know, I was even watching a Roger Stone appearance on Infowars where he was saying that, left mobs are now going to be stationed at voting locations to stop people from voting. And he recommends people, you know, to come right wing Trump supporters to come to stop the left wing mobs. And it's just like, whoa, dude, you're sort of, you know, trying to set up some violent kind of shit, making people afraid something that's not going to happen at all. There's no such thing as a left wing mob that's going to stop a voting precinct or something like that. I'm just hoping it's not something like that. I guess just to conclude all this, like, I mean, what do you have to say to people who are, who think you're some kind of, because I'm sure you guys occasionally do get accused of being like somehow stealth Trump supporters if you're saying you're not going to vote for Biden, (laughs) you know, and you've checked out the election. I mean, that's what people tend to do is they're like, oh, well, you must be this or that. But like, what do you have to say to people who don't understand that or who think you're, you know, somehow privileged or, or not? you know, being compassionate, not worried about the Supreme Court. That used to be the way they would go for the jugular before, the generic yeah, Democrat argument. Yeah, it was the Supreme Court, yeah. Yeah. Uh, There's a lot of that this time. There's a lot of well, that Well, I, t- I would just for tell sure. him, like, you said all this in 2016. It didn't change anyone's minds. Trump got elected, and uh, for I, you promised that there would be a nuclear war in the first year. You're still here. <laughs> you, you know, like it's certainly he's done uh, horrific things, but it's a long line of horrific things that is a continuation of things that uh, Obama and Biden did. And the way to get out of this cycle is to stop like putting these people uh, in power, period, not just putting the trying to put the less evil person in it. And it, it and I would just point out to them again, like this argument does not work for you to pull the. the the poll, not the stop looking at the polls, look at the election results. We saw how this ended with Hillary Clinton. Maybe people hate Biden less than they hate Clinton because well, a lot of people just really hated Hillary uh, Clinton. So maybe it'll turn out uh, better for him. But then what? <laughs> then what, what's what, what, what's going to happen in the next four years and after that? Like, what do you have other like the only argument that Joe Biden has is that I'm going to bring us back 
to half an Obama. Like that's like that's not an exciting thing. You're supposed to be pushing for this is the time for to make big bold change because the right certainly is trying to make big bold changes to this country during this time of crisis. Like why isn't the you know nominal left uh, the the Democratic Party interested in anything similar like why are they still talking just about like tax credits and shit like that like it's just, so out of touch i mean it, it's been never been more glaring during this pandemic that they just are fucking lost they've got nothing to offer i, I what i would say to people what i'd say to anyone who said anything to me is i'm not even a democrat <laughs> i would just say actually i'm not even a yeah. democrat so that's the way and, it goes uh, like how could what I've, been, what I've been saying is what i've been saying my new thing when i what i want to do for this election and i think this is the ultimate uh troll uh protest vote is to vote for hillary clinton because you're still mad about 2016 <laughs> and you think she was robbed uh, so but, write yeah. in Hillary Clinton uh, uh, and say like, yeah. Well, what about the people who are is, still this... butthurt from 2008? Those two people who <laughs> exist like that, the Democrats who hated Obama because oh, yeah. they yeah. Should, he stole it from Hillary then. I, yeah. Yes, <laughs> I'll, I'll vote for 2008 Hillary. <laughs> this election is obviously it's a really depressing one. I mean, again, we're left with two horrible choices. There's no fun factor to really any of it because we don't even get to like you know, like gawk at the ridiculousness of the conventions and watching, you know, I these know. news reporters fall all over themselves to interview all these political, you know, figures at these conventions. I mean, they're probably going to be like one third the attendance if they even fucking happen at all. Um, yeah, it just feels like it's just sort of a ghost election or something. Like it's not even really happening. It's it's strange. It's, I mean, it, three it, months it, is it, not very much time. It's It's going to come up really soon here. It just feels like I swear to God that so much fraud is happening in this election. Like, I really do feel I'm like Biden didn't run in the primary and won the primary. And both candidates are basically not running for president. I'm like, you know, do they know that there's no reason to? You know, I don't know. Like, sure. there, there's no campaigning going on. And also, you know, we do have to be honest about I don't want to make a comparison to what Biden's foreign policy would be like to Trump's. I mean, we wouldn't really know, but like. You know, if he wins, we have to acknowledge the fact that his foreign policy would probably be even more hawkish than Obama's. Yes, and he doesn't have yeah. the fucking. Oh, it for sure would. He, I feel like even Obama at least had some sense that kicked into him in the last two years, where he slightly put the brakes on certain stupid things that he made happen. And I don't even. I can't see Biden even remotely doing that. I see him being fully puppeteered for his entire. Four years, eight years, whatever the fuck. Yeah, that's the thing. So if I, I guess if somebody asked me why I don't want to support Biden, I would just ask them about foreign, uh, some very specific uh, pol foreign policy questions and then make them admit that actually Joe Biden would be worse, have worse foreign, <laughs> foreign policy uh, than Donald Trump. Uh, more or less, like Trump, Donald Trump is more likely to bomb my friends in this in this country and that country. I, uh, less likely than, you know, even Joe Biden is. So like, like uh, I, I said this a lot about Elizabeth Warren too. Like people were say, would say that uh, Warren and Bernie Sanders are basically the same. Like if you look at foreign policy, you would see how completely ridiculous and ugly absurd thing is But people just Democrats just don't care about foreign policy at all. But for anyone who does like the idea of 
you know, having to choose between Biden or Trump is just a horrific choice. And in a lot of ways, like the Biden, Biden would probably be worse uh, in, for policy for a number of reasons that have nothing to do with the morality of, of Donald Trump or, or, you know, obviously it's not because Donald Trump is a better person. It's just that the specific circumstances uh, he's in like his foreign policy has been horrific and horrible and could frankly just the fact that people freak yes, out so much and there's so much press attention at him all the time yeah like whenever he tries to do anything everyone like gets pissed yeah, off at him all the time he tried, like, yeah when he tried better. to start a war people got mad at least and that was like what yeah. stopped it like that <laughs> he can't, this guy can't get away with anything everybody hates it. it's it's good to have a president that everybody hates one of the, <laughs> i think that's one of, one of the only good things about him being president is that you know people may see it as incompetence but i almost feel like it's he can't follow through on a lot of the things that it seems like he he want to do or he changes his mind really quickly and he does it so often that it's like it creates a sort of not no follow through effect they can't do yeah. anything yeah like it's even like the a, threats he, he makes he, he against does the president like day to day yeah like there's a lot of sort of trial balloon stuff he puts out there and it just him not being able to make up his fucking mind is, you know, is one of the only honestly good things about him being president. And I feel like Biden would just let all these people sort of run the show and there would already be sort of a, you know, a program sort of in motion. Um, and I'm not saying it would be worse. And then on the flip side, though, the the part that might be better about having Biden as president is that the left can maybe, you know, get back to the classic opposing a democratic administration but maybe that's also too optimistic because a lot of the left sort of let their guard down during obama but that's also something i've been thinking about it's something abby and i talk about is maybe going back to that classic template will make people remember that we just have to oppose the u.s government again and right instead of this weird sort of you know trump has created this sort of weird dynamic where everyone's versus him even f his own officials like fauci i find that fascinating right. that he's been able to play his own cdc head like off of himself this whole time like wh who, what other president has been able to well, manage a <laughs> dynamic like that it's like almost it almost like yes, what i was just about to say way. like joe uh trump has the pro wrestling experience he knows how totally. to uh work uh, and do work shoots and work himself into a shoot and work people in the shoots he he knows that you need a good guy, you need a bad guy. He's able to create his own like good guys from his own team. And it's not the first time that he's <laughs> been able to create faces uh, to fight him, and like people think that that's and like people like James Comey, I think, is probably uh, like another one like uh, like where I don't know if Trump orchestrated the whole thing, but he certainly took advantage of James Comey. As, oh, yeah. you know, this, uh, the the guy who was supposed to come and defeat him and when Trump probably knew the entire time that nothing was actually going to happen. For sure, <laughs> yeah. He did it to Jeff Sessions, too, after he recused himself from the uh, Russia probe. Yeah. Um, and he and he just kept throwing him under the bus yeah, and talking shit for, like, it's months. Like, it's like <laughs> when they the NWO had, in WCW, they had the regular NWO, which were white, and then they got so popular and got so many members that they created the NWO Red so that the NWO could end up fighting itself. That's how over they were. It's kind of the same <laughs> thing happening here. It's <laughs> <That's> hilarious. <laughs> um, I don't think I've ever, I, I guess maybe I'll leave you guys with a final 
um, kind of out of left field question because I don't even think I've really talked to you guys about it. But what do you guys think of QAnon and what what the fuck like do you think it is? I mean, like, what do you think of the phenomenon? And like, what if you were to speculate what Q, you know, or who Q was? What would what would you say? So I haven't really paid a lot of attention to QAnon aside from hearing about it on this or that, you know podcast I, I i it just it never really you know, hooked me as like a thing uh to care about on, on the it never it never got really got on my radar but what, from what i do you know know about it, it just seems like a very like a reddit it seems like a very reddit type thing which i think is just me saying it's like a chan type thing because they kind of have the same dna yeah it's just like because like on i know on reddit there's like so many bored weirdos that will spend hours working on things and plots and tricks or you know different stuff to post and like it i do not think it's out of the realm of possibility that this that the whole cute thing started just as like some 50 year old dentist or fucking uh jet ski dealer or some other thing like just started posting this elaborate shit maybe he had written a novel in college or something like that so he has the basics of storytelling uh down more or less and that's what he (laughs) and this is what he's been doing uh for fun it could be a group of people i really just don't know and i and i know there's speculation that it's like some kind of more meaningful operation than what it might be but I, I just really don't know. I do think it, it's very possible in this day and age to get just people wrapped up and worked up uh, over this stuff. If you're just like consistent and keep posting, um, posting through it, even when what you say, like there, I, I know is uh, Hillary Clinton is supposed to be in like in custody for like the past two years or some yeah. shit like that. <laughs> like, but people yeah. obviously are still willing to believe anything that makes the world make just a little bit more sense. I think we see that everywhere in our lives. I think that's why we have churches and everywhere. Like it's like people are willing to believe anything. If it just makes, if it gives them some sense of control over their reality of, uh, which they have no control over because of capitalism. (laughs) Jack. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I similarly to Leslie, like I, I sort of like followed QAnon a little bit, like very early when it was happening. And then I just was, you know, like, this is very silly and not true or whatever. Uh, uh, and so I kind of stopped following it. I, I similarly also, you know, just kind of th- I, I associate it like with 4chan and, and, you know, and I know that it did come out of 4chan. Uh, which is also something that I don't like fully understand. Like, I don't really understand <laughs> whether there's other people that could have pretended to be Q. Like, I don't really understand how the Anon system works on 4chan, to be honest with you. So I don't really know, like, if people could tell that it was the same person or something like that. <laughs> um, uh, Apparently they but could. Yeah, I, but I, okay, they could. Yeah. They could. Um, yeah, I don't know. Like, I, I, there could be some weirdo shit that goes on there. Like, I, you know, like, I definitely think Pizzagate was kind of pushed in, in some way. Um, but also I think Leslie's right that it could just be like a thing that went too far. Like I saw some thing somebody said that it was like a group of hackers and there's like four of them and like, they've just been doing it for you know, yeah. the whole time. Yeah, no, I mean, it's, uh, it's interesting to consider if it's just a bunch of pranksters, um, who have, who have managed to hoodwink this many people. I've come around to the belief that it's, 
that it are that it is people somehow associated with Trump's people. Because there's one of the part the interesting things is the QAnon conspiracies. There's these proofs that Q has posted to show that it's somehow whoever it is is close to Trump. And there was like right. a picture of like them on Air Force One, like over North I, Korea I remember that. I remember that. And it was like, yeah. I mean, I don't know if that means anything, but some, I feel like somebody should look at that and be like, is this a photo from Air Force One? Like, who the fuck is that? You know, like, because if it is someone close to Trump, like, that is, you know, that's newsworthy in look, of itself. There's also the version of it that, like, it's just some weirdo shit that, like, Jared is overseeing, you know? What yeah, I yeah, mean? yeah. Or, like, or, like, that Baron has is just started doing for fun. <laughs> like, you know, uh, 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 I definitely, you know, it could have come out of like the weirdo fucking, you know, uh, like digital yeah, team yeah, yeah, for yeah. the first election. Uh, it could be uh, digital election. team shit, absolutely, yeah. Oh yeah, yeah, no, that's that's definitely a possibility too. Um, the the sort of stealth marketing campaigns, you know, that a lot of it's people like they are doing were, these days. They were running, you know, it's like I don't think it swung the election, but yes, yes, the Trump digital team bought a lot of Facebook ads toward the end. You know what I mean, mm-hmm. like. Digital teams do kind of weird shit all the time, and especially like, you know, uh, uh, you know, Jared Kushner's team. They were always talking so much about how you know disruptive it was and how how unique it was and everything. I'm like, yeah, I don't know. They could probably be doing some weirdo shit there, especially with like Robert Mercer kind of involved with them and everything. Sure, I mean, there's definitely a lot of money involved in this. I mean, it's um, you know, it could even just be like somebody was theorizing that it could be the guy who owns. 8kun which is the new 8chan um oh, okay. because he i guess he sells a bunch of q merchandise and he makes like thousands of dollars oh. a month on it and people are saying <laughs> that you know it could just be this dude posting but i don't know i mean who the hell knows i'm glad to uh to hear from you guys about all this shit because it's just been nice to, to talk to you guys about it and there's been you know this cancel culture debate's been extra frustrating for me so you know, hopefully people will get something out of our discussion <laughs> about it. And, yeah, this is a good time. And going back to what you guys said, we need to define what it actually means very specifically and put yes. it into different categories if it's relating to employment or just social shaming. I mean, it needs to be very specifically defined. It can't just be this catch-all weaponized thing that Barry Weiss is allowed to be part yes. of. I mean, <laughs> come on. So, right. <laughs> so I don't know. Um you guys, uh, where can people listen to Struggle Session? And you guys also do bonus content for patrons, right? Yeah. So we're uh, yeah. So Struggle Session is available on all you know podcast platforms. And if you want to support the show and get our uh, weekly bonus episodes, just check it out at Patreon.com/slash/Struggle Session. Awesome. That's that's right. <laughs> Great talking with you guys and. Uh, Let's yeah. let's definitely do it again. Hopefully, uh, when Abby's yeah. back, we can do a yeah. do an actual real mashup. Awesome! Yeah, that would be yeah. great to talk to you. This was Thank this was you. a great time. Two on two. All right. Hell yeah! Take care, guys. If you liked what you heard today on Media Roots Radio, please consider becoming a Patreon subscriber of Media Roots Radio at Patreon.com/slash/MediaRootsRadio. By becoming a Patreon subscriber for as little as $5 a month or per creation, you get access to one exclusive bonus episode per month. Our last bonus episode is a four-hour-long Masonic American History deep dive 
And this month in August, our bonus episode will be part two of that Masonic history episode, which will also be clocking in at around three and a half hours long. Thank you very much for listening. And Abby will be back soon. Take care, everybody.